When you try to set your line up, but you don't know what to do. You can't make your mind up, need someone to turn to. We've got your back, we've got the stats, we'll help you block out all the haters. For fantasy football help, call 25 yards later. Welcome in to another episode of the 25 Yards Later Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Nick Luciano. And I'm Elijah Motika. And it's finally here. It is uh, pretty much officially football time. We have, um, when this comes out, one day until the most anticipated season opener, maybe of all time, between the Bills and the Rams um recency bias is uh coming in hot and heavy (laughs) this week i mean in fairness though it's very rarely that yeah you get the super bowl champion in in these games but it's very rare that they pair them up with uh the super bowl favorite interesting yeah the the other super bowl favorite um in this case the the bills so um i i think i there are a few games that have really stood out as much as this one i think maybe like maybe the bucks and the cowboys Mm -hmm. i think may have played a couple years ago after tom brady won uh the super bowl that may have been an interesting one i i think that was the matchup but yeah i mean this is a game that i know a lot of people are excited for yeah don't worry i'm i'm excited I'm excited too. And, I just had to, you know, I just had to, I don't know, be a jerk for no reason. Welcome to 25 Yards Later. The, the best way to start your season preview for the very first week is just to be an absolute wet blanket over the, <laughs> over my excitement, Elijah. <laughs> yep. Uh, you're um, welcome. Well, we are going to be talking about both sides of that. Um, potentially classic matchup uh in a little bit but first uh elijah is going to get us started with a recap of some of the news heading into week one so some of this is more important than others but i tried to parse out all the stuff that is most fantasy relevant Uh, and the big news uh, towards the top here is that today we're recording on monday Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson said that James Robinson will be active for week one after tearing his Achilles basically about as late as you could. I I am shocked. I am in awe of the healing powers of this man's knee. I guess it's technically calf or ankle or I don't know where he particularly tore it. But man, oh man. So this is really interesting for folks that drafted Travis Etienne to start and do well. Um, And the folks like Nick yesterday in our league of Mm -hmm. record draft who drafted James Robinson in like the 14th round. So obviously I don't expect him to play a lot week one, but just the fact that he's back is pretty remarkable. Uh, It used to be kind of a career ending injury and we've seen some players come back, but nobody quite as quickly as James Robinson. Uh, so we'll, well see. I, I guess Cam, well, Cam Akers, Akers, yeah, yeah, yeah he came back even more quickly, but yeah, it did not play <laughs> particularly well. Um, it'll be, uh, there's a lot of data that we're going to be getting for 
Achilles mm-hmm. injuries this year. So um, it'll be really interesting to watch how some of these unfold. Uh, speaking of people that uh, received catastrophic injuries about as late as you could last year. Yeah. Our second <laughs> item. Yeah. Chris Godwin as well. Uh, looking potentially on track to play in week one. Uh, he was seen practicing Monday without a knee brace, which is the first time that uh, he's been seen without a knee brace this off season. So still unsure about week one. We'll talk about the Bucks a little bit later, um, but there's a potential that he could be out there. Uh, Zach Ertz popped up with a calf injury. He's been dealing with it since early August. They say he's day-to-day for week one, but it sounds likely that he's going to play. Uh, but do keep an eye on that one. Um, and I believe we will be talking about them a little bit as well. A couple players that are back to practice after being out for a while. Drake London, receiver for the Falcons, who injured his knee in the preseason. And T. Higgins, who had a shoulder injury. Uh, They returned to their respective practice fields on Monday and both look on track to play in week one. And Jalen Waddell is also in that group uh, who had a lower body injury, also returned to practice. And apparently coach Mike McDaniel is very, very, very confident that Waddle will be ready to go for week one. So that's a lot of varies. So it sounds like he will be there. Um, other players we'll talk about in a little bit too, as we're previewing that Bills Rams matchup. But both Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson are practicing in full and, quote, good to go for the opener on Thursday night, according to Sean McVay. And then there's a, a couple of less exciting pieces of news. Uh, in the Packers wide receiver room that Matt LaFleur was, quote, noncommittal on Alan Lazard's status, which came out of nowhere. It's undisclosed. They haven't told us what's going on, uh, but definitely something to keep an eye on if he's not out there. And then also uh, Christian Watson, who's been dealing with his knee injury. Uh, Matt LaFleur said he is, quote, hopeful that Christian Watson is going to play in week one but I don't know how hopeful we can be with that. So it may just be that Aaron Rodgers has to throw all of his passes to Aaron Jones in week one, which I'd be pretty happy about. And then the last piece of information here is that uh, Connor Hughes from SNYTV.com, New York publication up there, believes that Zach Wilson has a chance to play in week one, but also that he'd be surprised if he does. Uh, hasn't been ruled out yet and is getting close to the end of that recovery timeline from his injury and surgery. But if he can't go, it would be more exciting for the narrative because we would get a Joe Flacco revenge game against his former Ravens, which we would all love to see, but hopefully Zach Wilson recovers quickly. So that is it for the news. Uh, Some potentially very fantasy-relevant stuff in there, especially with James Robinson and Chris Godwin Mm -hmm. returning and the Packers maybe having having nobody to throw to. Yeah, for sure. Um, And obviously stuff like the Packers don't only affect the receivers, but uh, Aaron Rodgers, who's Mm -hmm. uh, obviously a pretty safe draft pick late in dra- or later in drafts at quarterback for people that generally tried to wait for their quarterbacks um and maybe weren't able to get Trey Lance <laughs> um yeah so yeah obviously a lot of uncertainty around that offense that already was feeling maybe a little funky depend or based off of the kind of lack of 
experienced production that's on the team. Yeah. Um, so, so <laughs> shall we go ahead and get right into these previews? Yeah, we will. So, Elijah, you're going to talk to us about the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams. Cool. So I'll take the Bills side of this, and then uh, you will take the Rams side of this here. So mm-hmm. Bills That's looking right. at uh, mostly last season stats, obviously, because we don't have any, I guess, only last season stats since we don't have any for this season yet. Um, but last year, the Bills were 11-6 and six and made the playoffs, and the Rams were 12-5, and five, and obviously won the Super Bowl. Uh, and this game is a 52 and a half point over under with the Bills favored on the road by two and a half, which is really interesting considering they're the road team playing against the defending Super Bowl champions. But that speaks to, uh, I guess, the you know the Hall of Fame nature of this matchup as you previewed it. Um, so this is a game that I think will just come down to who can throw for more yards and more touchdowns through the air because I don't really see the running game being a huge factor, particularly for the Buffalo Bills. So obviously you're starting Josh Allen, number one quarterback off everyone's board. You're starting Stephon Diggs, you know, a top 10 wide receiver for sure. And Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie potentially have some uh, some place in this game as well just because of the 52 and a half point over under nature of the game you think that they'll probably have to throw a lot looks like isaiah mckenzie is going to be the starting slot receiver um, and he did practice on sunday and is going to be ready to play uh, according to uh, reporters there that spoke with him uh, he was out earlier last week but looks like he's on track to go isaiah mckenzie is so I really think a lot of it's going to come down to the passing game and Dawson Knox as well could have some opportunity. Although for the season, I expect Dawson Knox to have his production come down because so much of it was on touchdowns. Uh, But the Mm -hmm. bills that said they did release OJ Howard. So that little bit of potential competition uh, that probably wasn't ever really there is for sure. Never really there. Uh, So It'll be interesting to see here, but I think the the most fascinating part and potentially uh, tough decision to make here is in the Bills running game where we have Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and James Cook kind of sharing the backfield. Apparently, Zach Moss has had a good summer, good training camp and preseason, had some goal line touchdowns in the preseason last year really was outclassed by Devin Singletary but was dealing with some injuries throughout the course of the season and James Cook obviously is new to the team second round rookie brother of Dalvin Cook uh, much more of a pass catching specialist but it's been reported that he's been slow to start with pass protection so I honestly am scared to start any of them in this matchup because I don't really know who the pass catcher is going to be I would assume it's Devin Singletary but it you know could be Zach Moss or sorry it could be James Cook sprinkled in there uh if they get in the goal line Zach Moss is apparently going to get the carries unless it's Josh Allen getting the carries I just in this game I think it's going to come down to passing and I'm scared to start those wide receivers scared to start those running backs and I really think it's going to be Josh Allen Stefan Diggs you can start Gabe Davis 
And then in a daily format, I think Isaiah McKenzie also is a really inexpensive option is somebody that you could start as well. Yeah. And um, I think that it's for the bills a lot easier to um, try to avoid their running game situation than it is with the Rams who have Mm -hmm. a kind of similarly murky uh, backfield situation. Um, They obviously we talked about cam Akers earlier. Um, where he missed all but one game in the regular season last year and um, because of his Achilles injury and really didn't look fantastic once he came back, um, only averaged less than, I think, three yards mm-hmm. a carry like two uh, in the playoffs, which is just atrocious at every <laughs> level. Um, people point to, yeah, but he got all the work. But if the if you're getting, you know, 40 yards <laughs> and not a lot else from your running back, it's not going to be worth um, taking them or, or, or starting them or anything. So, um, but yeah, similarly, both Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, there've been kind of reports that maybe it's a little bit more of a timeshare. Maybe um, one gets it more than the other. And unfortunately, because of Cam Akers draft, uh, position you probably don't have much of a choice but to start him in this game mm-hmm. um, that being said in a daily format I would avoid both players I think um, just because again we will have to see a lot of passing yards and uh, just a lot of murkiness around the running back situation the running back touches and the running backs effectiveness to be honest Um uh more on the Rams side you're obviously starting Cooper Cup you you drafted him within the first five picks of the draft so uh, that's just an auto start um Allen Robinson we've certainly talked about my uh affection and belief that he will be able to have a big bounce back year uh, potentially a top 15 top 16 kind of uh campaign um, and then uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, is certainly an interesting uh, player in either uh, daily or as a streaming quarterback uh, in a matchup that, again, we are expecting to be high scoring and are expecting to have a lot of passing yards. That said, those are probably the only players I'm looking to try to start if possible. Van Jefferson is a wide receiver that once he's healthy, I think is interesting as the Rams wide receiver three. He had 800 uh, receiving yards last year and six touchdowns, but his status is unclear for the opener due to injury. I would say, though, that maybe monitor uh, if Ben Skoranek or Tutu Atwell get any additional work if Jefferson is out neither of them are certainly worth rostering yet but if one of them uh, if Jefferson is out and one of them has I don't know like seven targets uh, or are on 80 percent of the snaps it certainly makes them a little bit more interesting and maybe if they're able to string together some performances like that would certainly 
enter into dinner roll territory, which is my our <laughs> nickname for these wide receivers that are really mostly just deep league, like 14 and 16 multi-wide receiver league options that you can pick up on the ra- waiver wire and maybe get legitimate wide receiver three numbers from. Um, so those are players that I'm looking at as far as that goes. Um, and then Tyler Higby, not really looking to start at tight end if possible. But um, again, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, Allen Robinson, all auto starts. Uh, Cam Akers, I guess, in in redraft or dynasty but not in a daily format just because again, you probably don't have much of another choice. Yeah. I really like all of that analysis on the Rams. The one thing that I do think I would say is that I'm a little bit more comfortable starting Daryl Henderson in daily just because he's pretty cheap with all of the hype for Kim Akers. Obviously that depends on your format a little bit, but do take a look at him. If you are playing that single game slate in daily that he might be an interesting choice there for that game. And he's generally been more um, more efficient than Cam Akers even, I think, before mm-hmm. the, the injury. I, again, with him, has just kind of been size and injuries himself. So um, averaged 4.6 yards per carry last year um, when he got the chance. So, yeah, uh, Daryl Henderson is certainly interesting to me if he's able to get 12 plus opportunities. I think that there is a chance there for him to pay off on uh, DFS or maybe even a flyer uh, season long in a deeper start. league. Yeah. So, yeah. In a deeper league. So, right. um, yeah, before we go on to our next games, uh, we're going to take a quick ad break. Hey kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile Hissy Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. And we're back. So Elijah, how about you talk about the Denver Broncos for our next preview? Yeah, I mean, you know me. I love talking about the Denver Broncos this year. So this is the perfect spot. They are playing against the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football. This is a 43.5 point over under with the Broncos favored by six on the road, which is pretty wild, especially considering where these teams were last year, both finishing at seven and ten. But obviously something has changed pretty significantly in that Russell Wilson is playing for the other team and is now the Broncos starting quarterback and his hand actually works, which was kind of a big deal <laughs> last year. Uh, going into this game, this is pretty much a start all your Broncos mode for me because the Seahawks and their defense are not looking particularly good. Uh, there are a couple exceptions to that that maybe. Uh, you don't want to start Albert O, who is questionable but expected to play. Maybe you don't want to start KJ Hamler unless this is daily or a very deep league. 
And then Melvin Gordon, you might want to wait and see, but I even think that he's an okay start. Russell Wilson, you're starting. I think he's going to go nuts. Javante Williams, you're starting. I think he's going to go nuts. Melvin Gordon, you could start in what looks to be maybe a 55-45 type of split between those two backs. But a couple weeks ago, uh, Melvin Gordon was quoted in saying that the Broncos coaching staff, quote, wants Javante to be the guy. So, I mean, I don't know if that's just like Melvin Gordon trying to pump himself up or if that's just him being truly honest and saying that, yeah, I'm towards the back of my career. Javante is the young guy, and I know that they really want him to be the guy and he's going to get the big opportunities. But everything that we've seen so far, especially with them re-signing Melvin Gordon, is that there's going to be a split but especially in this matchup against the Seahawks, who I think the Broncos are probably, I mean, and Vegas thinks with this six-point uh, favorite of the Broncos, it should be kind of a blowout here. And so I would expect Cortland Sutton to feast and Jerry Judy probably to have a good game as well and Russell Wilson to be a great start. And, you know, I really don't think you can go wrong starting any of these players depending on format in those deep leagues and daily formats, I even think the fringe options are worth a start in this one. Yeah, and KJ Hamler is definitely uh, going back to wide receivers. I want to monitor um, someone that is definitely worth checking out and worth keeping an eye on. Um, it's easy to forget that he was a second round pick just in 2020. So they were he was drafted with fairly high draft capital. Um, and so is viewed by the team as a talented player, uh, most of last year wiped out by injury, of course, but with the injury to Tim Patrick, a opening really appears for him to maybe take a massive step forward, um, coming off of that injury riddled season from last year. So, um, definitely someone that, again, I'm looking at could be a potential dinner roll type player um, in those deeper leagues, a, you know, a waiver wire pickup that could end up producing some nice numbers for you. Yeah. And interesting to think about too, you know, Jerry Judy is so touted uh, who was obviously, you know, he was a, a first round pick 15th overall, but that, as you mentioned, KJ Handler, the same draft was picked, picked just a round later. Um, so it's easy to forget when he's kind of playing in the shadow of Jerry Judy and then that Tim Patrick was the wide receiver three there that maybe KJ Hamler has a little bit more life than we think. I think that's a good call. Uh, definitely a dinner roll to you know turn that oven light on, see how he's rising. <laughs> yeah, I think that this is largely going to be kind of the theme for a lot of these more fringe players is just kind of keep an eye on them this week uh see if they even if the numbers don't pop off the page see if maybe the opportunities or the snap percentages or even the targets um kind of are pointing towards better things for them um and worth maybe speculative ads later in the season um, my, so our next preview is going to be of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the their opponent, the Dallas Cowboys. So the Buccaneers were 13 and four last year and the Cowboys went 12 and five. 
It's a 50 and or it's a 50 point over under and the bucks are favored by one and a half. Um, so again, another game where the, a high over under is, uh, more or less pointing towards a shootout. Interestingly though, I think that there's a fewer legitimate starting options than you might like in this week. Um, Tom Brady is obviously an auto start. Um, you'll also be starting Leonard Fournette, um, who's uh, you drafted probably in like the back of the second. So, um, again, probably don't have much of a choice there regardless, but I I think could be in line for a nice game, especially if his, uh, receiving work from last year continues. Um, Mike Evans is another auto start, but then kind of the uncertainty around some of the other receiving options, um, where if like, for example, Chris Godwin is actually able to play, I don't know if I feel comfortable doing anything more than just kind of sitting and watching and see how he's used and how he's looking this week. Um, if again, if Chris Godwin is able to play, I also think that that kind of saps some of Russell Gage's and Julio Jones's starting potential and viability um, this week with kind of the uncertainty around Godwin and his usage compared to uh, those other two. It's It's a crowded receiving core, which I'm always a little skeptical of. Yeah, it it's so tough because early in the offseason it was well Mike Evans is a smash draft pick. He's going to be fantastic because you know it's Chris Godwin who's hurt and then it's just Russell Gage and it was even like well Russell Gage is going to be the wide receiver too for at least a little while mm. and then they had to you know go and pick up the ghost of Julio Jones who might actually be more opaque than we think and actually be pretty good at catching the ball. We don't really know because he was so hurt with the Titans last year. And then now there's the news that Godwin is maybe ready for week one. And if not week one, it's going to be within the next couple weeks after that uh, because he didn't end up on the pup list. He didn't end up on the IR. So it's really tough to tell, but this is a 50 point over under. So you kind of want to start. I mean, I think, as you said, Mike Evans is definitely a player to start, mm-hmm. but in daily formats, you could take a stab at any of the rest of them potentially. Yeah. Um, I, I think certainly they'd be worth calling your shot on in, in the case if Godwin doesn't or does play. Um, if he doesn't play, I think I would be a little more comfortable flexing like Russell Gage. i am skeptical of how much Julio Jones has left. So I think at at least right now, even if Chris Godwin doesn't play, I don't think I would be playing him anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Though, again, I would be willing to flex gauge. Um, If Godwin does play, I think I'm personally out on all three. But again, if you want to take a stab in daily or call your shot, otherwise, I certainly understand that. I with in moving on to like the tight end position, if um or with Rob Gonkowski now retired, Cameron Brait is kind of I guess the guy. Um, I think they also have a rookie tight end. I think Cade Otten, mm-hmm. but um, not really looking to play either of those players as well. So this is a weird uh, situation where, with the exception of a couple players. 
I'm less likely to play everyone in a high over under in a game that we're expecting to be a blowout. Um, My last note, again, another player just to kind of look at the usage of is Rashad White, their rookie running back, um, and see if he shows any signs of potentially challenging Leonard Fournette, whether that's uh, for the starting job or just taking away some of the touches and receiving work that Fournette enjoyed pretty much exclusively last year. Yeah, and that that's another, I know you were talking about it as well, but it's a, a good point not just to keep an eye on these players on the waiver wire, but if you have somebody that you can slot into your IR spot just before the games, pick up one of these players, especially these mm-hmm. backup running backs in the early weeks. If you have the spare roster spot, just do it anyways. You know, football is a dangerous game where especially running backs get hurt often. And so you could just take that flyer and put them on your bench. And then if they don't do anything, if the player in front of them doesn't get hurt, then you just drop them and you move on to next week. But these players, you it, it's better to take a shot on somebody on your roster as you're watching for them than to watch them on the waiver wire and then either have to pay a bunch of fab to pick them up or you know have to burn a high waiver priority or potentially if you have a low waiver priority just not get them at all whereas you could have picked them up in free agency early uh so i think that you know it's players like uh you know russell gage or julio jones or rashad white or kj hamler you know that we've been talking about here that uh are worth just just slotting onto the back of your roster before the games on sunday morning and see what happens um moving on to the next preview here we have the las vegas raiders at the los angeles chargers this is the first home team that we've previewed to be favored which is kind of strange uh so it's a 52 point over under at los angeles and the chargers are favored by three and a half and i think either of these teams would be interesting to talk about but the raiders are a little bit more interesting because there's more decisions to be made. You know, the Chargers, you're starting Herbert, you're starting Eckler, you're starting Mike Williams, you're starting Keenan Allen, and there's really no question about it. Whereas the Raiders are a little bit more interesting because you have some questions about Josh Jacobs, maybe a Hunter Renfro, or even Darren Waller might be a question mark. But let's just stop at the or start at the top. Uh, stop at the at the tart um, with Derek Carr. <laughs> Uh, who, you know, our buddy Scott picked over Aaron Rodgers in our Mega Mock draft. And he is actually kind of an interesting play in this game, especially with this high over under, you know, 52 points, probably going to be a lot of passing, especially in daily. I imagine he's pretty cheap. Or if you just waited and waited and waited and waited on quarterback, then you could probably have picked up Derek Carr as one of those streamers. And he has... uh good weapons and he is going to potentially have to throw a lot Uh, so i don't hate a Derek carr start here you know is he a top 12 quarterback this week maybe not but it might be a case where you are able to scoop him up and go ahead and give him the start and as far as the folks that he's throwing to there's two of them plus one but there's Devontae adams and there's darren waller 
Devontae Adams, obviously smash start. Darren Waller, kind of interesting because he hasn't been doing much in practice at all. He wasn't there in training camp. He was said to be holding in for a contract, but he did practice this last Wednesday. Apparently, he was said to have a hamstring injury. So it's been really murky. But if Waller's on the field, especially because he was probably a fourth or maybe fifth round pick at the latest for you, you're going to have to start him. But I am definitely wary about Waller's conditioning and where he's at. But I mean, you have to start him and then cross your fingers and see. And in this game, Again, 52 point over under Darren Waller is a start. And then also that plus one that I mentioned is Hunter Renfro, who had an amazing season last year, but that was largely on the back of a bunch of receptions and also nine touchdowns uh, where Darren Waller only had two touchdowns largely due to injury. He only played in 11 games, but you'd think that with Devontae Adams coming to town, who had 11 touchdowns of his own last year in Green Bay, and then Darren Waller being healthy, potentially that those touchdown numbers for Renfro are going to probably soften quite a bit, and you'll see Renfro more in the four to five touchdown range. And that's a little less valuable, but I think he's a wide receiver three play uh, this week with the wide receiver three for the team in Mac Hollins. Not in any serious consideration, but again, a dinner roll to keep an eye on. Um, any thoughts on the passing game there? Any different for you for the Raiders? Um, not really. I think, yeah, both Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are certainly plays, although with uh, with kind of some caveats of Hunter Renfro being a fantasy wide receiver three uh, versus the more, I think, high end wide receiver two that he was last year at points. Um, it'll obviously be interesting to see how Devonte Adams's numbers are changed with Derek Carr. Um, he had 11 receiving touchdowns last year, which would have accounted for half of Derek Carr's right. total as season output. So um, it, it'll certainly be interesting to see how that changes. Um, but even if Devonte Adams only has eight receiving touchdowns, which I would think if he's healthy would be his absolute floor. Um, I think he will certainly still return value um, over the course of the season. Yeah. And then lastly here, just talking about the running backs, I think Josh Jacobs is a middle of the road running back to start in this game. I don't see it being quite as much of the pass heavy fest as I was talking about with the Bills and Rams. Obviously, I think they're going to have to pass a lot to get to 52 points in that over under but josh jacobs i think is going to be a little more integral to this offense than the running backs would be in buffalo for example so i definitely think josh jacobs is a solid mid to low end running back to play or a flex play and that's where he's being drafted so he does have the potential with some touchdowns to have a lot more upside than the draft cost is attributing to him so I think he's worth a play. And then the running backs behind him, Zamir White, Amir Abdullah, not really relevant for fantasy right now. But again, you know, back year, bench, roster spot, flyer. See, we'll see what happens. Maybe one of them surprises you. Yeah, just monitoring them, um, especially Zamir White, who I think 
it seems like the general plan is that he'll be the running back for the Raiders next year. Um, as, since they didn't pick up Josh Jacobs fifth year option. Right. So, um, you know, just kind of seeing how they start integrating him into the rotation this year. Um, and seeing, you know, if maybe he does emerge as like a receiving a James white receiving back ish type of, player or maybe they use him some different way so uh yeah the the definitely just gathering information is my main goal for this upcoming week um so i think we're going to wrap up our previews for this week with the arizona cardinals um they finished 2021 11 and 6 despite starting the season 8 and 0 and they are taking on the Kansas City Chiefs who finished last year 12 and 5 it's a 53 and a half point over under and the Chiefs are favored by 4 yeah a another road team <laughs> that is uh is the favorite it's it's a crazy week for betting lines if you're doing pickums or whatever so yeah, good luck out there, everybody. <laughs> so Kyler Murray, um, is, despite being the bane of Elijah's <laughs> existence in the mock draft that we had a couple of weeks ago, uh, is certainly a, a top half quarterback one play this week for um, a game that, again, we're expecting to be something of a shootout. Cardinals defense is not particularly impressive. Um, and th- while I think maybe the chiefs have improved in places, um, the, the offenses I think will be the star of the shows this week. Um, so yeah, Kyler's a smash play. Uh, Hollywood Brown is an interesting play, especially in maybe like a DFS format where he might be underpriced a little bit. Um, and the first half of last year was absolute dynamite for fantasy before kind of tapering off as the year went on. And in a Cardinals offense where he's kind of the main guy, I expect that we'll see some really nice things from him in the early parts of the season. Um, the other players, uh, at least for receiving options, are a bit less interesting. AJ Green is worth a flyer although uh, again as we were talking about the ghost of julio jones the ghost of aj green only slightly better um he at least had yards last year even if he didn't look particularly good um and then rondale moore is a player that i am really interested to see if he can take a step forward this um in the early parts of the season especially while deandre hopkins is on suspension um and see if you know we know he's an explosive player can he actually add some consistency and some um uh, variability i guess in his routes <laughs> that he's running and his usage um and, and he's very he very well might be a player that's on waivers as the potential early season wide receiver too for the cardinals so um definitely check him out if you haven't already yeah i think that he's a player that is kind of at the top of that stash them on your bench as a dinner roll wide receiver for me 
because he has the best opportunity to really turn into a consistent flex start, at least for the first half of the season, much more so to me than a KJ Hamler type uh, that I, I really think Rondale Moore, as they've talked about him in this preseason, they really like what how he's grown and what he could potentially bring. And they're not, I mean, obviously last year, AJ Green had more yards, more touchdowns, more catch, or actually the same amount of catches uh, on way more targets. But I, I think that Rondale Moore is a player that could be, could give a real burst to your fantasy team that you just pick up off of waivers early in the season. And plus, like, one of these players is theoretically ascending and one of them is right. theoretically <laughs> regressing. So I, I think that, uh, and I don't think anybody probably drafted AJ Green. It'd be interesting to see what his redraft roster percentage is. But um, yeah, I think Rondale Moore even though green might be the kind of more traditional um, outside wide receiver body type. I think Rondale Moore at this stage of his career is probably more talented and mm. it's going to be interesting to see if he can in fact, take a step forward. Um, as far as running backs go, um, I'm a little afraid of James Connors efficiency uh he averaged less than four yards a carry last year so which is always a little bit of a red flag um and also his touchdown number is almost certainly unsustainable he had 18 total touchdowns between uh, his 15 rushing and his three receiving but i think that he'll at least be able to add in the passing game where he's a fairly decent uh receiver um, so I don't have any real qualms about starting him uh, with our running back two expectations. Um, and then one more player to kind of keep an eye on is Eno Benjamin, um, a player who I drafted late last um, or la- drafted late in our league of record draft that we recorded. Um, he's presumably the Cardinals running back two. Um, is uh, very talented back in general. And if um, James Conner was to get hurt, would inherit a massive workload. Um, and even just replacing Chase Edmonds's uh, roughly 600 rushing yards last year and 300 receiving yards um, could end up being a valuable uh, flex option down the line if he's able to string together some consistency yeah and if we're just looking at the yards last year you know chase edmonds had pretty similar numbers to james connor from a yardage perspective obviously about 150 less rushing yards and just 60 less receiving yards but it was really the touchdowns that made them so significantly different in 18 to 2 touchdowns so if you know Benjamin is inheriting that role, if he's talented enough to do what Chase Edmonds did in the role, then there's certainly potential for running back three from Eno Benjamin as a player that is almost undrafted. So I really like that call. And finally, Zach Ertz um, is certainly a fine tight end play. I'm not super excited for him, but he averaged about about like 50 yards or so in 11 games with the Cardinals. So, um, and five receptions. So is certainly a viable option in a tight end landscape where there are (laughs) 
maybe too many, I guess, viable options mm-hmm. and not many good options. <laughs> so any last thoughts on the Cardinals or any of the other teams we've talked about before moving on? Just that it's pretty obvious that the tight end landscape was not painted by Bob Ross. <laughs> no. <laughs> not a happy Those place. are not not happy little tight ends. <laughs> Um, so we're going to wrap up the episode with a little bit of a different speed round. Um, both of us have taken one Chiefs wide receiver that we believe will be their wide receiver one and are making an argument for that player. So I decided that I was going to stake my claim to Juju Smith-Schuster um, of as compared to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is Elijah's pick. Um, I have long derided MVS, so it should probably not come as a big surprise that I am not on his side now. Um, And I'm just going to point to Juju's history of production here. So um, he... Uh, in three of the four seasons that Juju has played more than 12 games, he has had more yards and touchdowns than MVS's career highs of those two stats. Um, he's also had more than MVS's career high of just 38 receptions in all four of those years. Um, I, I mean, we just have to look at the talent, I think. MVS has produced time and time again. Or not MVS. uh, Juju has produced time and time again. MVS had Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball and really did not produce. His 38 receptions, which is, again, his career high, was in his rookie year. Um. And yeah, obviously, Juju has had a rough couple of years. a lot of injuries and ineffectiveness last year. And then the year before was a down year, but he still had 800 receiving yards. And I think like six touchdowns, six or seven touchdowns. And so, yeah, I'll take like an 80% Juju Smith Schuster over a hundred percent MVS pretty much all the time. Well, you make some good points (laughs) and this may be a case of the you know the fantasy football player where we are looking more towards what we don't know than what we do with optimism i I can admit that that might be the case where we're looking at the potential for mvs changing teams he's never been the one on a team before and so there's the potential there with his body type with his speed that he could finally break out even though we've never seen it whereas juju is more of the you know we've we've seen him do good things before and we're just kind of tired of the name of Juju Smith-Schuster for fantasy he's disappointed lately so we've written him off i acknowledge all of those things and i acknowledge that MVS averaged 18 and a half yards per target over his last 3 seasons with the packers and he signed a 3 year 30 million dollar deal with the chiefs making him the highest paid receiver that they signed in in free agency. And the money really matters as far as looking at who gets utilized a lot of times. Obviously not all the time, but I think that that contract says more about what they think about MVS than what they think about Juju, whose contract is 
really laden with incentives, not a lot of guaranteed money, and he's just there. Like They don't really believe that he can do it, or else they would have guaranteed him more money. Also, Juju has a bum knee and has been dealing with it all offseason and for the last few seasons, and there's the potential for that to flare up throughout the season. Right now they're saying that he's fine, but as of a week ago, he was in doubt. So all of that, along with a little bit of what some would call coach speak, but we can't really call it coach speak because it's actually like beat reporter speak. (laughs) Nate Tyler of The Athletic uh, is a smart guy, I hope, uh, and has lots of nice things to say about MVS, including that he has, you know, and this is this is really, really hard reporting here. This is excellent stuff. Has a, quote, strong connection with Mahomes and was the, quote, best receiver in the Chiefs offseason program. So, you know, do with that what you will. I I will. <laughs> Nick over so, here, I won't. I won't do anything with that. I will pick up Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> um, so we're as next little quick speed round items. So um, I love early season DFS because a lot of these kind of breakout candidate wide receivers that we've been looking at, um, the price doesn't really match the potential of them so for example i have a yahoo dfs lineup that i I was able to set where i was able to put both uh jonathan taylor and derrick henry in really prime matchups against the texans and the giants Uh, the they are the two most expensive players in dfs and i was able to put both of them in my lineup while also have players that I really like, like T. Higgins, Mike Williams, Hollywood Brown, and Brandon Ayuk. So um, definitely, if you like playing DFS or even just want to give it a try, I think that this is a week where it would really uh, benefit you to spend down on wide receiver on some of these more breakout candidates while you can, um, while spending up on you know, running backs with good matchups like the ones that I mentioned. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And the Yahoo DFS format is a really easy first format to get into. It doesn't cost you anything. They have lots of free contests uh, and their platform is a little bit simpler uh, than some of the DraftKings or other platforms. Just from a financial standpoint, you're looking at single dollars rather than thousands of dollars as you're pricing out your players. Uh, so I have a lot of fun with that. Uh, you have been incredibly successful with that. And so hopefully going into this season, we can continue Incredibly success. successful. Hey, when you put in zero money and you, you know, make tens of dollars, that's pretty incredibly successful. It was like, I, I did get like $200 in winnings, despite only using the $10 promo that they there you <laughs> gave go. us at the beginning of the year. So, yeah. Yeah, I got a pretty good return on my non-investment last year. Yeah, I, I'm not very good at math, but I think that that uh, you know that return on investment is something around like two billion percent of an increase. So uh, I think you're pretty good at it. Um, might need you might want to stick to uh, fantasy football and less math. Yeah, maybe maybe so. Um, so the last bit of our speed round items. 
Uh, we're just talking defenses here. If you listen to our League of Record draft, I went through this at the end of the draft, but I really want to highlight it here as well that you want to stream defenses. Don't draft defenses early because the the top defenses never, ever, ever repeat their top fantasy finishes. It's so much based on turnovers that it's really variable who finishes high. So you want to stream them and you want to stream them based on matchups. So I wanted to give you my favorite early season defensive targets for fantasy football. And that starts with the Browns. And this is again, all about matchups. The Browns early season schedule, Carolina, the Jets, Pittsburgh, and Atlanta. At least, you know, really, I would say all of those are offenses that are kind of in disarray. We'll see what happens with the Baker Mayfield led Panthers but I don't think it's going to be great. And then we can also see potentially what happens with Pittsburgh of whoever ends up starting there by the time we're in week three. But those are great offenses to target as a defense in the Browns. I also think that the Ravens are a fantastic early season option with the Jets in week one, followed by Miami and New England. And then we're looking at the Colts, who as well have a fantastic start in Houston and Jacksonville. Uh, The 49ers defense, you would have to draft them earlier, but if for some reason they fall, they have Chicago and Seattle to start, which is just great, especially since the 49ers defense is also really good. Uh, And then the Saints have Atlanta to start the season. Then they have the Bucks, which is obviously not good, but then they have Carolina. So if you can pick somebody else up for that week two, worth holding. And then if you don't get any of those, a defense that is being drafted pretty much nowhere is the Titans who start with the Giants. So I think all of those are great early season streaming defenses that you can target at the very back of your draft so you don't have to use high draft capital on them. Yeah, and another defense I'd want to throw out there, um, it made a little bit of a starring appearance at the end (laughs) of our last draft episode, but the Panthers defense starts with the Jacoby Brissett-led Browns and the New York Giants. Uh, which I mean, that sounds really Mm -hmm. nice to me too. So um, in most cases, unless you're up against a league of Panther fans, they are, (laughs) will not get drafted. But uh, unfortunately in this one case, I was not so lucky. Um, But yeah, that is our show. So um, uh, we will be back next week with our week two preview. Um, and yeah, football's back, Elijah. Are, are you are, are you psyched? I'm psyched now. I was a little bit of a wet blanket at the top of the show, but now that we've talked through it, I, I can't get enough. I am I am a, a dry blanket. I am, you know, sunshine. I am no umbrella needed. I am running out of metaphors, but I'm excited for this week. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we will be back next week. And until then, I'm Nick Luciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick G Luciano. And I'm Elijah Motika. You can follow me on Twitter at Elijah Motika. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at 25YLFF and rate and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. And folks, good luck in this first week of fantasy football. It is going to be a blast. Yes. Once again, thanks for listening, and we will see you 25 yards later.
Thank you for listening to 25 Yards Later, Sports Obsesses Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Ruminations Radio Network. Audio editing by Mitch Proctor and music by Elijah Motika.